Rich, over here. Hi. Oliver. <laughs> yes, hello. <laughs> there you are. My dear fellow. Guess where we are? Well, I know we're close to Charing Cross Station yeah, because it took it. me about 89 paces to get here <laughs> from that said station. So we're by the venerable Gordon's Wine Bar, are we not? We are. Both of us have been here before, but I don't think together. I used to come here with my mate Rob after a night out drinking and he'd say, just one more bottle of red. <laughs> God, I wish I'd been out with you those days. Wow. I think I've been here, I've definitely been here a few times, but I vaguely remember, I think I might have even had a date here. Oh, yeah. And I seem to remember it's a bit dark inside and I was sort of bumbling around a bit. Mm. Well, anyway. I, I, that's a, a very good place for dates in my, in my opinion. The darker the better, uh, as far as I can say, but I don't think I've had a date here. But yeah, me and Rob used to come down here. It's just the same, you know, Rich hasn't changed at all. There's a, a sign here over the door uh, in that font that they used in Cheers, the TV series, Gordon's Wine Bar. Uh, very descriptive. Established 1890. 1890. Love that. That's kind of Sherlock Holmes time. Not that he existed, but you know what I mean. Conan Doyle time. Love that. And then there's a, a sign just to the right of the door. And it says, Gordon's, wine by the glass. Uh, and then it says a list, which is as follows. Claret, Burgundy, Hock. I remember that from the 70s. My dad going on about Hock all the time. Uh, Moselle, same thing. And Vintner, which is not a wine, right? Vintner's a, a trade, isn't it? Well, Vintner's Hall in the city of London is, is where a lot of trading used to go on. So I love I love that. I love the Hock, jolly hockey sticks. A little bit of retro there, all. Shall we go inside and reignite the wine list? Yeah, well, I had a little look inside earlier, and retro is absolutely the name of the game. There's a, a couple of hams... Um, hanging from the ceiling. Right. There's newspaper cuttings from, well, at least the early 50s because there's the, the death of King George. The bar is amazing, just as I remember it. There's an old horn hanging from the ceiling, just above <laughs> one of those, yes, just above a Jeroboam and a bottle of champagne. It's eccentric, it's ancient, and it's wonderful. I think this needs to be an important feature of the next incarnation of the wine list. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. Right, so here we are, Rich. We're in an incredible tunnel, a sort of a pubscape. Subterranean. You would say that, yeah, it does feel and is. And we hear the trains passing by. You might even hear that in a minute. I've just nearly knocked my head on uh, a portrait of Winnie. That's in Winston Churchill, not uh, Winnie Mandela, which gives you an idea of the, of the kind of place we are. It's uh, unashamedly British, probably unashamedly English, I'd, I'd, I'd say. Here we are, and we're looking at the wine list. I've got it in front of me. Um, so how do you want me to go through this? Because I would estimate there are about 30 white wines and about 30 red on this list, Rich. Just give us a flavour. I mean, I think it's fair to say most of the wines, but not all, are by the glass. And one theme of this series that we want to explore is the accessibility of wine. You know, not wine is pompous and in a bottle that's £150, no, go away. So just give us a flavour of a few white wines and a few red wines available here in this venerable Gordon's Wine Bar by the glass. Just give us a half a dozen of each of. I want to thank you at this point for season one because I look at this wine list and I can pick out two or three which I would go for. Say I was with Louise, my wife, and I'd say, well, we love a Chablis. There's a lovely um, Chablis there uh, that my eye's drawn to. There's a Sancerre from the Loire Valley. And uh, going away from France, there's a Rioja 
uh, Blanco, which uh, I know I'd be very happy with. Obviously, uh, Savignon Blanc as well. That's a uh, South African one from Stellenbosch. We've both been there. Sauvignon. <laughs> Sauvignon. Oh, I'm an idiot. And then a Pinot Grigio and a Gavi. Hello, Gavi. Four letters, G-A-V-I, Gavi. That's why it's such a big success. Really? I think so. Good Lord. Anyway, carry on. We should just call it Wine X. And then there's also an Albarino. So the beautiful thing that I can do now, this is just the white wines, is I can look at this white wine, I can pick out stuff that I know I like or I know I know something about. Thank you, Richard, because I'm no longer, I literally am no longer intimidated. But there are all sorts of other things in there that I'd be kind of intrigued by. Like, a, what is a Vouvray demi-sec? I think Vouvray is the most kind of overlooked, old-fashioned wine style. Vouvray comes from the Loire. Vouvray means the town of Vouvray, which is in the Loire, so we're talking central France. The great variety is Chenin Blanc, which we tasted in season one. With that amazing old vine, Chenin Blanc. Oh, yeah, South yeah, Africa yeah. That you love. South Africa. Yeah. South Africa, but this is a very different style. Demisec means half, half dry, so in other words, medium sweet. Right, perfect. So, which is kind of cool, so we'll explore that. And all, I'm delighted that you've picked, quite rightly picked up on your progress from season one, which is brilliant. There's the dark side, mate. It's called red wine. Oh, yes. And it's literally on the other side of the menu. Again, about 30. I can see a Malbec, which would probably catch my eye. Obviously, a Bordeaux and a Pinot. Chianti. Ah. Uh, it's an Ugiano Racchialta from Tuscany. And it says red cherries, plum and oak. A Malbec from Argentina. Oh, uh, a Tempranillo. I know that maybe catch your eye as well from uh, Spain. Tempranillo. I nearly said it right. Good Spanish, absolutely lovely, so good. But the point is, old. clearly you're reading out red wines on the list. Well done, you can read. Thank you very um, much. You can read, that's great. The point is, much as we made progress in season one, I still felt that you were kind of still in white wine territory. Frankly, if that's where you are forever, let's hope you live till 104. Maybe white wine is always your territory, but... Do you think we need to explore a few more red wines in season two? 100%. I'm, I'm up for it. I shouldn't stay in my spoke or comfort zone. Yes, absolutely. I mean, the ones that you... Oh, Cabernet Franc. Remember the Cabernet Franc we yeah, had? That you you see, that's see, that's you on see, there. You see. So what we're doing on in season two, we're not just repeating season one in season two, but we are definitely picking up some themes from season one and going into a bit more depth in season two. But also, I think it's really important that we discuss some other issues too, like... How relevant is wine? For goodness sake, a lot of people are just feeling massive economic downers at the moment. You know, people can't, aren't paying for fuel or for their heating or eating properly. Does that make wine irrelevant? Don't worry, we're not going to go totally holier than now about it, but we've got to ask those questions because it's really important. How relevant and how accessible is wine? That begs the question, how good can wine be at a low price, or at least in a, what we might think is an affordable price. So I think we need to look at that, not necessarily on the Gordon's Bar wine list tonight, but throughout this season. Of course, I'm from Yorkshire, so, yeah. uh, you know, almost if I think I'm not getting value for money, I can't enjoy the comestible. Yeah, yeah, you just feel as though something like, hang on, this isn't quite right. So, yeah, I think your Yorkshire caution is in, in tune with the times, all. so we're going to explore that. And it's not tightness. I want to make this completely clear. It's not tightness wanting value for money. Thank you. There's also things it's great, actually, because I look at this. Again, I see, I see familiar phrases like Syrah. There's a couple of Syrah, and I know we tried a Syrah. There's um, a South African one from Svartland. Maybe it's pronounced Svartland or something like that. And there's one uh, down at the bottom uh, from Lebanon. 
of Syrah Chateau Umsayat, I think it's called, and it's a Lebanese. And then there's natural wines, low sulfur wines. I haven't even heard of that as a thing, you'll know. No alcohol wines, only one of them. Very glad to see that. Yeah, they taste shit. Right. Next episode. <laughs> it's a Macabio Terriblo uh, from Spain. <laughs> Terriblo. And then there's a few sparklings, only three, five rosé, a few champagne, which is separate from sparkling for some reason. Natural wines sounds like it might be um, very good ecologically, but absolutely awful really, on the palate. Really, really worthy. <laughs> I know what you're going to say. Uh, but oh, can I just mention one other thing? It's not particularly on the wine list, Gordon's wine list tonight, but this is one big, really one big thing I want to do. I just want to get over this Chardonnay hassle that some people have. So please, can we put down Chardonnay and can we explore the different faces of Chardonnay and interview people who do who believe that Chardonnay is the work of the devil? Yeah, it seems like a complete overreaction to something that came very popular. And I think there's some sexism in it as well. I think there's some men who say, ooh, Chardonnay, girls drink. And I think it's nonsense, because I drink Chardonnay. And as you know, I'm an extremely masculine man. He's so fearsome. I mean, you know... He's, he's, he's just his mere presence, even though I can't see him. Just like I, I just feel weak, weak, le- weak need. I was still going to mention the sherries, the Madeiras, and the ports. So there's a whole column of fortified. Welcome to season two, everyone. Hang on tight, it's going to be a rough ride. My name is Juan Carlos. I'm the operations manager. So what was it that um, reminded you a little bit about home, about this place? Uh, is, everything, is everything carved out of raw stone where you come from? Or what was it that made it feel at home? I imagine myself in my uh, grandmother's cellar where they, as well, they are some, that produce some wine. Of course, nothing, you know, professional or for retail, like more for uh, home consuming. I felt like uh, I was in the basement and... Uh, and looks everything so familiar, dark, uh, old, uh, <laughs> you know, and then uh, a place that was thinking of wine. <laughs> it is quite dark. I've, I've, been, I've had to lend Oliver my white stick so he can find his way to the toilet. It's very dark, <laughs> very dark here down in the yeah. kind of bowels. This place is just dripping in atmosphere. It's absolutely fantastic. But, um, but Joe, how much did you know about wine? Or, uh, did you know much before you started or has it all been since you joined here, started working here? Uh, no, I didn't have any knowledge about wine. Uh, back home, all the time I was drinking beer with my friends. I guess it's something that you, you do when you are young, just, you know, beer drinker. When I started in Gordon's, uh, Port called my attention because something from Portugal. I was amazed to have all these barrels behind the bar. Even though before I started to drink uh, red or white wine, I started to drink Port. And after a couple of nights on shift and drinking one Port here, one Port there, I felt like, wow, I need to be careful because I'm not used to this uh, alcohol volume. Often 20% alcohol, you know, so, yeah. Exactly, quite dangerous for someone that doesn't know how to handle the the, the drink. (laughs) And I learned that very quickly. (laughs) So fast forward a sec, you've been here 17 years. I mean, the wine list here is is a lovely wine list. Whites, reds, bubblies, bit of pink. I'd say two-thirds of it available by the glass. Do you know these wines? Do you know what they all taste like? Do you choose the wines? Yes. Yeah, so before I take over, we had like 80% of wine was uh, on the screw tops. I don't have anything against screw tops, but uh, I would like to see 
Gordon's with the, like most of the wines with the cork, which is more, I think, characteristic and uh, suits more to the place. Special now we give table service. It's always nice to, you know, to pop some corks than just screw it out. That is interesting because certainly corks are very traditional and Gordon's is a very traditional wine bar. What are your most popular wines? We sell a lot of New Zealand whites. Sauvignon, I mean Sauvignon, Blanc. <laughs> but the British love it. Yeah, it's just, it's just crazy. Like, uh, exactly. Wow. So if you run a wine bar, even if you don't want to put a New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc on there, you kind of have to because Brits will come in and will expect one. What else goes down well? Uh, definitely Red Malbec. We sell quite a lot. Second best seller calls the Smiley Donkey. It's a Portuguese wine from Douro. Smiley yeah. Donkey, I saw that on the list. Yeah. Is that a mixture of various Portuguese grapes like Tariga Franca and that sort of stuff? Yeah. It's, uh, Tariga Nacional. Yeah, that, oh, looks like all the grapes... Uh, available in Portugal is there. <laughs> yes. No, just kidding. Portuguese do like the old blending of the grapes. I mean, often the grapes that go into port are the same grapes that go into the red Portuguese still whites, like Tariga Nacional. And... Yeah, we have a few of them. Tariga Nacional, Tinta Cão, Tinta Ruiz. There is, uh, yeah, I think it's a blend of six grapes. We'll be getting Oliver onto his Portuguese reds, because Oliver's natural sort of tendency is towards the whites. But you're on the red now, aren't you, Oliver? Okay, so here we are, the Smiling Donkey itself in front of us. Two lovely glasses. Wow, deep red, very deep red. Lovely. I was thinking that Smiling Donkey is a great name for a pub, really, isn't it? But anyway, we're not talking about pubs, we're at Gordon's. Well, it reminds me of the uh, wine I chose back at Shea Bruce, wasn't it? The old Rocking Horse. Ah, I love this evolution in your wine journey. Yeah. You've gone from the Rocking Horse to the Smiling Donkey. I Everyone wonder was where smiling. we'll go next, you ass. Yeah, very good. <laughs> Everyone was smiling after I fell off uh, Rocky, the horse. I guess it was going to be deep red, it's, because it's a funny thing, even when you can't see the wine, it, sometimes they just smell deep. Ah, right. Yeah, and no, it, I can see that. And this, is, this, this smells to me like it's got a deep colour, which you've already described it as having. What are we smelling on this wine? So there's a fruit with a stone in it. Is it a plum? Is really, it, could it be a plum? Really plummy. It is plummy, isn't it? It's black plum, it's kind of black blackberry, cooked blackberries. Tastes really ripe fruit. Portugal... Even though when I went to Portugal, it poured with rain and was freezing cold, I was in the wrong bit of Portugal because the, the vineyards really are, and this is from the Douro Valley in northern Portugal, which is where all the port comes from, is a bit more sort of set back from the coast. So it's not quite as Atlantically rainy as the place I went to. So the summers get hot and the grapes get very ripe. Uh-huh. I think the fruit here tastes, tastes quite ripe, do you know what I mean? Like kind of ripe blackberries and cooked blackberries and plums. It's like a real, it's almost like stewed fruit, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. I do know what you're saying. I see the plums. Oh, you're, you've drunk yours? Right, I'm going to have them, I? Oh, yeah, straighten them. I got bored with smelling it. I just wanted to... Oh, it's lovely. It. It's kind of delicate. I thought it was going to be really heavy. Um, am I right in saying that the tannins aren't, aren't mental in this one? Oliver Turnbull, I love this progress. The, ta- ah. the, tan- <laughs> the tannins are not particularly omnipresent. So therefore, this is a very, what I call, approachable, friendly wine, which probably explains why Joao said it's the most popular wine at Gordon's, because if it's full of tannins, it would not be the most popular wine in Gordon's. Yeah, I don't go mad for tannins. It's almost, I feel like I should, but I don't. Tannins are a thing you get used to, and also it's a big thing about food as well. Tann- ah, tannins right. can be great with the right food, but tasting them on their own, this is a lovely wine. It's, sub- it's to use this word, supple, and it's not a pretentious word. If something's supple, you know, you can move it a bit, it's not too rigid, and this wine is fruity. The tannins are there, but they're on the low side. It's a dry wine, but you get a perception of sweetness because mm, the fruit is mm, so ripe. Mm. It's the ripe fruit. Yeah, I'm getting exactly what you say. I, I, I wouldn't have said it myself, but when you say it, I'm going, yeah, absolutely. 
which is quite nice actually in a red, isn't it? To not have that overwhelming dryness. Oh, it's lovely. It's really nice. It's really fruity. Uh, it reminds me of my first sip of Ribena when I was about six years old. But it's got the lovely hit of alcohol and warmth behind it. I, lovely. I totally agree, Ol. And the wine world gets so obsessed with complex wines. Why does everything have to be complicated? Let's do simple things absolutely beautifully. And I think this wine absolutely hits the spot. Well done, Smiling Donkey. Gorn's most popular glass of red wine. And frankly, I'm not surprised. Yeah, we can see why. Joao, difficult to pronounce his name. It's Portuguese. I've struggled with Portuguese, all, But really nice guy, interesting story, don't you think? Brilliant story of coming to London. I like that. We can relate to that a little bit, but not from another country. In fact, actually, um, let's just hear a little bit more from him. It's a great place to visit in London. Before, I used to say it's from 1,001 places to visit in London. Gordon's must be one of, one of them. Now I, I narrow down and, uh, you know, 100 things to do in London. You need to visit Gordon's for sure. Places like this, very rare these days. Anywhere in the world you go, like you don't find anything uh, like similar with this atmosphere and the mix of old and sophisticated. Do you think it's a kind of unique Gordon's thing, or is there anything uh, English, British about Gordon's as well? Does it encapsulate anything about London, about Britain, to you? Yeah, definitely. There is one uh, one big point in here, like. Uh, we are a proper wine bar. You know, there are many pubs around uh, around Loner in all over UK. But, yeah, at the end of the day, it's like a pub and pubs that look all the same. This is like a, a wine bar. It's a unique wine bar. I agree, because when I was... There weren't really wine bars when I was growing up and started drinking. And then wine bars came in and there was an elitism about it. Uh, you had to be sophisticated. It was a bit snobby. I think this place, more than any place I've been into, sort of encapsulates the warmth and the spirit and the sense of humour and fun of a pub and the sort of lack of formality with the experience you get in a wine bar, which is, of course, uh, fantastic, uh, fantastic wine. I think that's what makes this place magical. You know, like, it feels to... I love pubs, don't get me wrong. That's what I've been brought up with. That's my culture. And yet this place, when you're getting into wine, seems to have the best of both worlds for me. That's why I love it. I think the wine drinkers are much different than beer drinkers and spirit drinkers. As we only do wine in Gordon's, we avoid, uh, you know, all the problems. Like when you go to a pub, people drink beers and then they drink spirits. And I think they get more aggressive than, you know, someone just drink wine all night long. They're just going to be nice and a bit sleepy. And, you know, they, they, go, home, Sorry, what did you say? they go home peacefully, you know what I mean? A bit tipsy or not, but they go home, uh, you know. Very happy. You, you, you kind of lost me there. Yeah. Even myself, if I drink too many beers and then I start to go on shots, yeah. sometimes I'll get a bit more, you know, excited and maybe slightly a bit more aggressive. But you know, I think that's a really interesting point because the English have a terrible reputation for sort of overdrinking. Both, both picked up on something beautiful there, which is about just. For anyone listening, please come to Gordon's Wine Bar. Yes, it's been here since 1890. This place is dripping in atmosphere, but it's dripping in friendliness as well. And you absolutely nailed it all. This is the least stuffy place I've ever been to in my life. It's just so lovely, isn't it? Oh, when I used to come here with Rob, we would never leave without having made friends. But it was just that kind of place where uh, people were, yeah, friendly, ready for, a, ready for a chat and ready for a love. It's like, a, to me, best of both worlds. The best of the wine bar, best of the pub. Thank you so much. Thank I'm you so glad uh, you guys gave me as well this opportunity to express you know, my feelings about this place and uh, 
I wish you good luck uh, on this uh, podcast. And hope you come back soon. Gracias. Enjoy your Ooh, wine. I don't know if you say gracias. No, what do you say in Portuguese? Portuguese. Obrigado. Oh, oh, of course. Obrigado. You say bom dia and you say obrigado. It was going so well. <laughs> obrigado. And of course, we also got a chance to speak to the great Amanda, didn't we, Rich? We certainly did. Let's hear a little few words from her. I am Amanda Whiteside and I'm the Administration Manager. And I've been here for almost 13 years. What Oliver and I are interested, we love the venerability, the, the history of, of Gordon's. We both started coming here at a similar sort of time in the early 90s, about 30 years ago. The kind of place you know about, it's iconic, you don't go there that often in our case, but you know it's there, it's like a faithful friend. What is Gordon's for you? Well, I was a student at King's in the 80s. He used to occasionally pop in here, and, and I, I came back in a, a new life, <laughs> having done the family bit. Simon Gordon, whose family owned the bar, is a very old friend, and he asked me to pop in and cast a female eye over the bar some 12, 13, 14 years ago, just to see if I could put a bit of a, a different spin on the look outside more than inside. And anyway, so over that time, we have expanded outside and taken all the business outside. So with the bar itself, it hasn't changed much. Well, I was going to say, this tunnel that we're sat in really does have the feminine touch. <laughs> <laughs> it's the dripping walls, isn't it? I know, it's a nice touchy thing. It's kind of like a limestone <laughs> cave in the Loire Valley or something. You know, it really is. It's a constant battle in here to hold the water back and to keep it habitable. But it's great. It's a lovely atmosphere. So we, we will never change this well, we hope to never change this. It depends slightly on the structure and what goes on above on the street, but we'd like to keep it as it is. Amanda, tell us about the people that come here. Because Joa, Joa said what he liked about wine compared with maybe a British pub is that people weren't getting tanked up on beers and then having a scotches. They were slowly sipping wine and getting tipsy and falling asleep and then going home. Is it, is it a gentle place? It is a gentle place. It's... It, it peaks and troughs throughout the day, so we have a different we have a sort of different demographic, different type of people throughout the day and the week and the weekends. So it's lovely. So with families at the weekend, we get lots of young coming in at night, sort of vibrant and buzzy, and so a little bit slower paced during the daytime. It's lovely. It changes all the time, and it's a place for everyone. And do you think people come here? For a quick glass of wine or because they're getting a train from Charing Cross Station, obviously, which is just next door, and or are they wine connoisseurs who actually just want to come and sample a few wines because most of the wines we discussed with Joe are by the glass, which is lovely. Is it a cross-section? Do you get, do you get wine lovers here, punters, tourists, families? Is it yeah, a whole thing? Whole, I think you've answered the question all the above. We do get people that pile out from the office and come and relax. We've get, got people who are going home, want a quick glass of wine before they do battle with the trains. Um, and then friends who want to meet up. Long lost friends, first dates, families, birthdays, it's all sorts of things. It's, it's very straightforward. We're sitting in a bit of a cave here with a low ceiling. It'd be a great place for a first date, wouldn't it? I mean, assuming your date was going well. Well, it's very low light, so it's certainly something that's attractive to me. Yeah, yeah. You could, I mean, sorry, but you could have a right old smoochie down here, couldn't yeah, it you? Happens. It does do, happen. Do, do you see much of that? We don't look. We turn the other way. <laughs> Do you see much of that? Only when we're looking. Yes, exactly. Only when we have to. Of course we, we don't, because yeah, we're not we looking. We're not looking. We're not looking. But, but it it's is a romantic, great, though. That's the point. It is it's romantic. It's a great place in here, and it used to be quite clandestine. I was told 
by a reliable source that in the 1960s um, this place was um, neutral ground for the Americans and the Russians to come and, and do diplomatic chat. Apparently. In the main bar there are, there's a fireplace and that's an Elizabethan fireplace. So the, the building's been here for a very, very long time. It was a grain store because the river used to come almost to the, to the edge of the building. And we've got lovely lithographs, I guess they are, or, or, um, from the past showing the, the architecture of the buildings around here. So it's been going for a long time. But I suppose Gordon's, as it is now, was opened in 1890 by a chap called Staff Gordon. And then there were two, I believe there were two further generations of that Gordon family before it was sold to Simon's father, Louis Gordon, in about 1972. Simon's father, who in a, a fleeting fancy thought it would be rather fun to have a, a bar, almost like a club, to open up between five and nine, Monday to Friday, as people were going home. Above the building here in the 80s was the, the sort of nerve centre for Witch magazine. I was talking to some lovely people who were journalists with Witch at that time. They, they used to often stumble down here, or come down here in the afternoon and then stumble back upstairs. It's a bit worse for wear. Yeah. Oh, those are the days. It doesn't the help anymore. journalism days, you know, boozy lunch days. We were talking about to uh, Joe earlier. It seems to encapsulate, because of course he's from Portugal and we're sort of British, it does encapsulate the, the warmth and fun and chilledness of a nice English pub with the, I guess, sophistication or the, 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 the joy of wine culture as well. It seems to cover both camps in a way. I don't know how you feel. I think that's a very nice way of putting it. Silly question, obvious question really. How much do you like the wine here? Oh, are you, do, wine do, here do, is do, fantastic. Do, do you play, play a big part in the wine decisions, choosing the list? Is that I Joe's did. job? Is that we your job? Jean has worked fantastically well with the wine list um, in the last year or so. And we have a very egalitarian way of selecting wine. So we, we work with a number of suppliers and we're always open to trying new wines, but we corral certain groups of wine over a period of a few weeks and then we do a, a, have a general wine tasting amongst the staff. There is probably seven or eight people and we all sit down and taste the wine. Quite often it's while I'm working away at my desk and I get the, uh, I get the final kind of taste for the female palate because a lot of the guys here have quite a big they like big robust wines and I have to bring in occasionally say we don't all like that I think we have a very balanced but broad wine list and yeah we've got some fabulous wines a lot of um, private vineyards lots of small small vineyards as well so it's quite unique a lot of wine. what are we having next uh, we're sort of trying the Madeira oh we're going to have a Madeira we're going to have oh, a Madeira, Madeira to send us off my dad always used to say that and I don't know why it's from a song <laughs> it's a what it's from an old song right it's I used to go Flanders and Swan or yeah, yeah, there or somebody perhaps I don't know Flanders and Swan the next song is about the vicar coming to tea but there's a fly in his tea here we go and then the same tune on the piano that's it have some Madeira Madeira you really have nothing to fear. I'm not trying to tempt you, that wouldn't be right. You shouldn't drink spirits at this time of night. Have some Madeira, Madeira. It's a very much nicer than beer. I don't care for sherry, one cannot drink stout. And port is a wine I can well do without. It's simply a case of shacker, ass on gout. Have some Madeira, Madeira. Sweet Madeira, dry Madeira, medium dry Madeira, or a selection? So over to you, Richard. <laughs> I quite like dry Madeira, but I suspect Ollie might want a sweet one. So could we... Um... Let, me get, let me get a seat. I can do a little... Oh, no, don't, don't feel you, you have to. We're going to... Oh, OK, if you insist.
Richard, something wonderful, rather wonderful has happened, hasn't it? It has, Oliver. We've just been offered three glasses each, small sherry glasses, well, decent-sized sherry glasses, of Madeira, this fabulous island in the Atlantic, just north of the northern tropic, where they make wine. And the reason they made wine there was because they found that centuries ago, it kind of lasted. It went around the world and back again, and they could still taste it. Why was that? Because it madarized, it oxidized, but it kind of stayed okay. And that's what Madeira wine is. And these days, it's like a fortified wine, like sherry or port, so with a bit of extra alcohol. And the extra alcohol means the nasty bacteria can't survive, so that's why it doesn't get vinegary. And we have these long-lived wines. And we've just been given three old. What I'd like you to taste and observe from left to right, I'm imagining. Does it go from kind of pale to mid-brown to dark brown? Yeah, it's lovely. It's so visually beautiful. Two glasses uh, of each. A lovely pale, yeah, yellow, uh, and then a lovely sort of orangey, you might say bronzy, and then a, a dark brown, almost porty at the end. They look lovely. And just when you thought you couldn't like alcohol more, apparently it's a bacteria holder at Bayer. So, uh, yeah, I, I can't wait to dive in, but I'll, um, I'll take your cue as to which to try first. Just very quickly, cheers, mate. Taste all three wines quite quickly and tell me the difference between them. Okie dokie. Oh, lovely. Oh, also lovely, but sweeter as, as, as suspected. Oh, yeah, sweeter again. So they were precisely what I expected. And a real alcoholic burn you get from these babies but they're all well it, it reminds me of sherry but I've never tasted three different sherries that quickly but it does remind me of I don't know is it Harvest Bristol Cream I don't know if yeah <laughs> I know what you mean uh, if you're in sherry territory that's what you'd be thinking of there's certainly port strength these guys will be 20% and I know it sounds ridiculous but it slightly reminds me of furniture polish not that I spend much time with furniture polish but there's something when you get these fortified wines with quite a bit of alcohol you get this thing called volatile acidity you get these kind of aromas blowing off the, off the wine it smell a bit kind of like nail polish remover have you spent much time with nail polish remover all or furniture polish oh well, i have a daughter and a wife yeah and i've got about six nieces so over over the years i have had my nails painted so i have had to remove the varnish for work and yeah i see what you're saying i almost got a hit of almond at one point yes there's a lovely nuttiness really love that's a great shout so basically what you're getting here is yes again this like kind of acetone thing that's the up the high alcohol 20 percent on these lovely fortified madeira so basically this will be a kind of still wine that's been fortified as porters you know with an alcoholic spirit to knock it up from sort of 12 percent to 20 percent goodness me due to the different aging of these different wines and the browner they are the more time they spend in wood that's why they look brown and developing all these lovely fruity nutty aromas you just said almonds didn't you marzipan and nuts and yeah that's what you get from extended aging in wood and the browner wine the one to our right definitely you smell it, it smells like kind of figs and dried fruit not dissimilar to our tawny port at the end of um, season one yeah yeah I see that do you know what I'm what's surprising me is I thought I'd like one end or the other I am pretty sure my favourite's the middle one. Aha! And knowing your palate, I expect you find the third one a little bit, a little bit heavy, and perhaps you find wine number one a little bit sharp. You you took the words right out of my mouth, re-sharp, uh, and probably heavy. Thinking about it, so yeah. But it, it, it's not as if right the middle one is a compromise. It's as if it's a different thing in its own right, and it's just right for me. If you know what I mean, it's like the Goldilocks Madeira. I would call it hit the sweet spot. Which I suppose is the reason that you why you have a spectrum, I guess. 
Oh, it's really lovely. I don't know whether I've had Madeira before. I think my dad will have probably given me one, but it doesn't ring a bell. But it's a different thing entirely. And maybe if I ask for Madeira, it sounds a little bit different as well. So uh, that's always nice. And think about when you might have this glass of Madeira. I'm, I'm totally focusing on our medium Madeira, the one that you re- like particularly. There's a touch of sweetness, but there's also quite a touch of dryness. It's kind of like medium dry. I'm normally, um, I normally shy away from mediocre. I always say, look, come on. What are you? Are you a sweet fellow or a dry fellow? But, but no, I think medium I think medium might be the thing for me on this particular test. I think the good thing about these wines are as well, you could have this as an aperitif, like a glass of wine before a meal, maybe with some salted nuts or something, some cashews or something, or you could have it as an after-dinner, that little bit of alcohol just making your dinner go down. I just think it's just a, del- a, a delightful drink. The first one is clearer and... There's this grape called Sercial, or what I tend to call is anti-Sercial, because it's quite fiercely acidic. <laughs> not bad. Sorry, now, that one's that. not bad. That's, I'm sorry, terrible. A little bit on the kind of astringent side. There's your middle beauty, the golden one in the, in the middle. And then the final one, which I'm a sucker for, because it's so, wow, it's so developed. It's so figgy, pruney, tastes like walnuts and all these lovely, gorgeous things like the old leather armchair. Again, slightly in port. I'd say in port territory more than cherry territory. But this is Madeira. Beautiful style of wines. Complex, tasty, interesting wines, interesting history. Let's all drink more Madeira. Yeah, and we've just done three in uh, quite short order. Right, so I'm just going to drink number three again, the darker one. Uh, Given your, I think that's probably your favourite. Let's have a go. Oh, I see what you mean. Oh, no. I think what it is is they're all three are brilliant. And I suppose the middle one has the best of both. I'm still going to stick with the middle one. But the the darker one, number three, I, I see why you like it. And it is porty. Lovely. We like Madeira. Madeira gets the thumbs up from the wine list. We love Madeira. Obrigada. Bon dia. Obrigada. Bon dia.